continue with the thoughts from this morning, part two uh, of uh, the message of the restoration of divine service. I got a little under conviction this afternoon studying for uh, this, uh, this evening service about skipping over the names of the Levites that arose, uh, and uh, so I will mention them tonight. I'll probably uh, mispronounce them. One of my favorite, well, one of the more telling things, if you ever listen to um, someone reading uh, the Bible, and uh, what's the one guy? Um, yes, the, and as uh, they do it, and then there's, in the Old Testament, uh, there's another guy who, who reads it, and, uh, and he does them all uh, just proper, and, and you'll find out when you listen to it, you're way off. Uh, when you try to pronounce uh, these words or names uh, of people uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, But it's also uh, good to note because when uh, they went to do what they did, it wasn't all of the Levites uh, that went. Uh, There were basically 15 uh, that went and told their brethren, and and maybe uh, some of them came and did, did it with them. But we'll read that here in a moment. And then having said that, uh, because we're going into our 90-day Bible reading challenge, um, uh, you need to know when we, you get into these Old Testament books, like you're reading it and, and you want to you read all your chapters and you get in some of these Old Testament books and the, the, the temptation is to kind of uh, speed read through uh, and, and really not uh, focus in. Uh, but um, how many of you learned something this morning? Uh, from uh, the passage. When you get in there and you meditate on it, you study, you, you kind of peel back, you look at context and stuff that's there, uh, there's just a lot of great stuff. Now, you can't, you can't necessarily do that as you're going through the 90-day Bible reading challenge, but I want to encourage you uh, to not just kind of super speed read through it because it's the Old Testament or you think it's, you know, oh, it's, you know, First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, and uh, just, you know, Second Chronicles is kind of a repeat of, uh, of, of Kings. Uh, because there's great stuff and there's extra things. So what's said oftentimes about these kings in, in, uh, in the books of the kings uh, and in Chronicles, uh, there's, there's different takes on it and new stuff as well. And so I uh, won't re-preach uh, everything that I preached this morning, uh, but we will begin to read in verse number 1 of uh, chapter number 29. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned at 9 and 20 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. Uh, And he, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And so here we have a 25-year-old king uh, who straight out of the gate, um, began to, uh, to he was, and this is all something that God led him to do. We, we see that phraseology uh, later on uh, and, uh, in the verses. Uh, so God had laid it upon his heart, and he, uh, and he himself, uh, as, as a, a, a believer in God, uh, was redoing or the covenants that he had made. What they're committing to do and what he's asking the Levites to do, in which ultimately uh, he gets into uh, the, uh, bringing in the, uh, the rulers of the city. Um, we have this, this idea that we're supposed to separate uh, religion and politics and all this different stuff. Uh, but Hezekiah is like, I'm getting right with God. Levites are getting right with God. And they brought all the politicians in. Uh, and uh, and it, it, was, it was everybody. Uh, that was involved uh, in this revival that we read here. Uh, And there's a pattern and there's an application, obviously, that I said I was going to get to at the end of our time tonight, uh, the heart of the lesson. 
Uh, God gives us these Old Testament accounts, uh, not just for history and for us to reference, uh, but what we read in 2 Chronicles uh, can help us uh, in our lives today. And uh, we find uh, the key to um, keeping our covenants, our promises with God. So if you can think about these verses when we read this way, when you got saved... Uh, you, God changed you, new creature in Christ, and uh, uh, we, the righteousness of God was applied to our life. We've been justified. All the transactional things that God did at the point of salvation, uh, He indwells us, uh, uh, a big list of things that He does. Um, but uh, after we got saved, we followed the Lord uh, in believer's baptism. And we'll have several baptisms here coming up with people who've just gotten saved, some young people and, uh, and uh, adults that uh, made professions of faith. And so we'll have that here in the next couple of weeks. When you got baptized, and if you got scripturally baptized, uh, you were uh, immersed, <laughs> uh, and it was a public profession of your faith. And when you did that, you made a profession that you are uh, dead uh, to your old self and you're going to walk in newness of life. Uh, you entered into a covenant life in salvation and baptism with the Lord. We know that that's a prospering life. It's a, uh, you know, it's a, um, uh, we are living sacrifices uh, for Him, bond servants, uh, all of the, all of the uh, roles that we take in the giftings that God gives us. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And, and when you got saved, you made that covenant with the Lord. And then along the way, uh, it is possible to backslide. Uh, Israel did it. Judah did it. Christians did it all through the course of time. And uh, we had a discussion about that a little bit uh, yesterday uh, at our men's prayer meeting. Um, to be backslidden means that you are, you're, you've slidden back from where you were. Uh, and when you first got saved, you love reading your Bible. Uh, and you promise God that you're going to be a witness because you read it in the Word. And, and you promise God you're going to go to church and you promise God you're going to be better and you're going to do better. And, uh, and, uh, and all of us have had promises that we've made to the Lord that over time uh, we've either gone completely back on them, we forgot them, uh, apathy uh, takes, takes hold. And what had happened to Judah uh, in, in this passage of Scripture uh, was they had bought into or uh, began to uh, just kind of absorb into uh, the national apathy that had taken place for the 16 years previous to that. And by the way, there were kings before Ahaz. Uh, one of them was, he reigned for 52 years. And, and those kings did right in the sight of the Lord. And we, we know Uzziah uh, was one of them. So they're good kings, they're bad kings. Uh, Ahaz, um, uh, his father, uh, was a wicked king. And we didn't get too far into that. Uh, and, and a little bit of clarification, two things. One, I, I, I was trying to think 300 years ago, uh, it was 1723. Uh, that's how that would be the date. Uh, and uh, my wife said over lunch, she says, you said the pilgrims came in 1723. It was 1620. Uh, and I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, no, I didn't, I, just, I didn't say that. I said, did I, did I say that? She said, you sure did. I said, well, there's no video of it. And the streaming wasn't working, so... So I said, prove it, and uh, of course she couldn't. Uh, but I had it in the margin in my notes. I had 1620 right there, uh, and I didn't mention it. Uh, and, and so that was a clarification. They came uh, 100 years before, the, basically the 300 years, we go back 400 years uh, total. And uh, another thing that I want to clarify is that when I talked about uh, the filthiness uh, in the temple, 
I said it's the dust and the grime and everything else, stuff they had to pull out. Um, but it also, that word uh, filthiness has the, the sense, the understanding of anything that was unclean. Uh, and so it's not just cleaning out the rubbish and everything that was there, uh, but they had to also remove all the unclean things that had been collected uh, in the temple. And there were a lot of idols uh, from Ahaz that were there uh, in, in, in stuff that um, we can, you can go back in the previous chapter uh, if you want some homework and you can read about him. You can go back into 2 Kings uh, and, uh, and look at it as well. In fact, one of the other um, kind of in line with the, the innovations that we've, that we've made in music uh, that, uh, that we get so proud of uh, in modern churches, um, God's not for that kind of stuff. And, uh, and let me help you understand, um, when, when they offered uh, strange fire to the Lord, um, there was trouble. Um, so the, you, when you offer, the prayers of the wicked are an abomination. When we offer things to God, they have to be things that God wants. And one of the things that King Ahaz did uh, was during his reign, uh, was, and it was 16 years, uh, and uh, in, in that 16 years, the, the worship in the temple had deteriorated uh, and completely shut down. And partway through that, he, um, when he was in Damascus, 2 Kings chapter number 18, uh, he, he saw the, an altar in Damascus. Uh, and then he tasked the priests to replicate that altar uh, and, uh, and to put it in the temple. And then after he shut the doors uh, of the temple later on, he had built these altars all over the place. It was an, uh, it was an unwarranted, un, it wasn't a God-led innovation, uh, but, it was, but it was brought into uh, the temple, and God, God judged them for it. Uh, and uh, so you can look at Ahaz and his life, uh, and uh, so I want to make sure you understood that the filthiness of that uh, was in, it was an un, the unclean things uh, were uh, taken from that. So in review, there was, uh, there was um, Hezekiah, he gets in there, uh, first month that he's in, uh, in, uh, the, on the throne, uh, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, uh, wants to repair them, uh, and then he calls the Levites together, and he tells them, sanctify yourself, and then sanctify the house uh, of the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and it says in, uh, he, in verse number, um, uh, let's, let's go back to verse number 10. He says, now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. Um, when, you, when you realize what they're doing at that time, Hezekiah is saying, I'm going to uh, renew the covenant that I've made with God. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, and he laid out the case, uh, and he didn't soft soap it. He had basically told them uh, that our fathers have trespassed, uh, and, uh, and uh, God's forsaken them and turned his face from them, uh, and uh, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah. Uh, and they, uh, God delivered them into trouble. Uh, there was hissing. Uh, your fathers have fallen by the sword. Your sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity because of that. He said, uh, we have to take ownership for the, the spot that we're in because we've rebelled against God. Uh, and he says, I'm, I, I realize that. And his dad was wicked. Uh, and, and he had sought. By the way, um, the Bible says that we can, we can break generational curses. Um, just because your father did it doesn't mean you got to do it. Uh, and as a 25-year-old, 
Uh, and back then, that was, he was, that was an old man. <laughs> uh, you had kings that were a lot younger than that, uh, and uh, 20, 25. Um, uh, my uh, son-in-law, just, he just turned 30, his birthday, and I said, uh, I remember when I turned 30, uh, and uh, that meant that I could no longer blame my mistakes on my youth. Uh, I was no longer in my 20s. So here we have uh, a, uh, a 25-year-old king uh, who just straight away uh, begins to, to do this. And so he says to them uh, that uh, he's going to make this, uh, this vow to God. Uh, and, and then he says, my sons, in verse 11, be not negligent, be now not negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense. Then the Levites arose. And uh, so 16 years, um, you know, they've been, they've been not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, what God had ordained the Levites to do and the priests to do in the temple of the Lord, uh, they're just, they're not, they're not doing it. And we, we, don't, we don't see this, but uh, remember the Levites, they really didn't have an inheritance. And uh, in the temple worship, a lot of what was done in temple worship was what sustained them. So, you know, when it's, you know, some of them might have been vegetarians for 16 years uh, because there were no sacrifices that they were eating off of. Uh, and, and so they're having to fend for themselves. There are a lot of things that we can, uh, we can kind of pull from that because they're not, they're not doing the temple worship. And so they're not getting uh, the, uh, the, the meat uh, and stuff from those offerings to live on, which was what God had given them uh, to sustain them. And so the king says, I'm going to renew my covenant with God. God's laid it upon my heart. That's my decision. And you uh, need to uh, now not be negligent. Uh, and, uh, and then they're like, well, they just got up uh, and they did it. And so we have these men, uh, these Levites in verse number 12. The Levites arose, Mahath, the son of Amasai, and Joel, the son of Azariah, of the sons of the Kohathites and of the sons of Merari, uh, Kish and the son of Abdi and Azariah, the son of Jehalel. And of the Gershonites, Joah, and the son of Zima, uh, and of Eden, the son of Joah. And of the sons of Elizaphan, Shimri, and Jael, uh, and the sons of Asaph, Zechariah, and Mataniah. And of the sons of Heman, Jehiel, and Shimei. Uh, and of the sons of Jeduthun, uh, Shemaiah, and Uziel. Now, when I, in my notes in my Bibles, I looked at this, I, I, I see 15 names. Uh, we we see uh, fathers and tribes and stuff that they're uh, that there are uh, families that they're from. So there's 15 of these Levites that that like that arose, uh, and uh, and basically said we're in. And then the Bible says that they went and gathered their brethren, verse 15, and sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priest went into the inner part. And again, for a little bit at sake of time, the Bible says in verse 17, now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify. And on the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And in the 16th day of the first month, they made an end. Now, that's significant because what that's basically telling us is that it took them a week to clean out the garbage, the rubbish, and the idols, and everything that was in the courtyard. It took them a week to get to the porch. So if you can imagine, uh, one, when I was back in Wisconsin a couple, maybe, well, it wasn't even a whole year ago, um, we have, there's a, a favorite restaurant, a Chinese restaurant, that we always went to when we lived there, and they have, um, I go there for the chicken wings, and they have an oyster sauce they put on that. And I'll go there until they stop selling those. 
And, uh, but when I went in there, you go into this restaurant, uh, and they had seating uh, area to the right and seating area to the left. The kitchen was kind of straight in front, and they, have, and they still have this big fish tank that's there and all this stuff that in, you'd find in typical Chinese restaurants, like little statues of Buddha uh, and, uh, and all those things. And you're supposed to go in and rub his belly. Uh, and, uh, and so they have all these, these customs. To the right, when I went in there, it was, it was ceiling uh, to floor junk. I mean, just filled like, like they had emptied out all their storage spaces and placed it in the restaurant. And, uh, and then, and then in, in dust and everything else, and then you, you go into the bathroom, and it was like, like a 40-degree difference <laughs> as you went to the bathroom. It was freezing cold and just nasty and dirty the whole place. You didn't really feel like eating there for how filthy and dirty that it was. And, um, and so this last time we, I went uh, to the restaurant, it was all cleaned up. And, but it had to take them some time. And, uh, and now maybe it was just them, but here we have 15 at least, maybe more as they gathered their families. There might have been more that had gone out. Took them a week <laughs> uh, to clear out uh, all this stuff. So if you, if you think about in your mind and picture uh, the temple space, and again, everything, the walls, Everything where it was placed inside uh, the walls of the temple, everything has significance. Every single piece, uh, all the material. Uh, and even we read about uh, Ahaz, who was, who was tearing gold and stuff and selling all like, the, the, the um, stuff inside the temple, ripping the gold off the walls uh, to, to give it to um, his, uh, his enemies to appease them. Uh, and, uh, and Hezekiah, as good as he is doing right here, we find later on him doing the very same thing, uh, and uh, and so Hezekiah wasn't uh, wasn't perfect, uh, and uh, but um, uh, they so if you can imagine just piles of idols and uh, and junk and and garbage, it was just basically if you wanted to go to the temple to worship, you couldn't get to it uh, for for all the stuff uh, that was there, and so they got to cleaning uh, the uh, the place up. Uh, the vessels, and this is important for us to see uh, the takeaway that we as Christians right now have because it's the same, it's the same formula. Their formula for revival uh, is the same one that we have uh, in the New Testament uh, and what we learn here from the Old Testament. Uh, and I'll give you that little list here at the end uh, of our time, hopefully, uh, here uh, tonight. And uh, so they uh, went in there uh, and began to cleanse it, and uh, they carried it uh, to the brook uh, Kidron or the Kidron Valley. And when and when they uh, there was symbolism even in that. Remember, in the Old Testament, they had a hill like they would they would sacrifice, uh, and they would take a goat, uh, and they would take some of the blood of the sacrifice, and they would put it on a goat, and they would send that goat without the camp. That's where we get the idea of a scapegoat. Uh, and they would send it off for it to never return to the camp. And then one time, one of those goats came back. And it was such an abomination to the Lord that what they started to do is they, there was a, uh, uh, there's a, a, a hill uh, off the one side of the temple, so they'd bring the scapegoat to the hill and kick it over the side and kill it because they didn't want, they didn't want the scapegoat coming back in. So when they, they took and put all these, the, the rubbish and the idols and all the, the stuff that they had pulled out of the temple... And they, the stuff that was sold, the vessels that were supposed to be there that weren't, they, they manufactured those again and they sanctified them. Uh, but they would, uh, it was symbolic of, of getting rid of, we're forsaking 
uh, all of this stuff, and they would, they would put it uh, in the Kidron, the Kidron Valley. They would toss it in there uh, and uh, in things uh, as well. Uh, and uh, they uh, came to Hezekiah, verse 18, the king, and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering with all the vessels thereof and the showbread table and all the vessels thereof. Moreover, all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression, we have prepared and sanctified. And behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. Uh, it's that we have made it to the altar. We have, we have cleansed the temple. Uh, we've gotten rid of all of the, the idols and the unclean things and the filthy things that are there. We've replaced what needed to be replacing. It's ready. That's what they were doing. Uh, they cleaned house, so to speak, uh, and, uh, and got them, them to a place where they can worship. And let me say this, because uh, if I run out of time, I won't say it. Um, when we, the Bible says we're supposed to lift up holy hands unto the Lord. When we worship on a Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, when you worship uh, in your, uh, your prayer closet, and by the way, uh, you should, when we sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to ourselves, it's, you should have a hymn book uh, by when you uh, have your devotions. Uh, and, uh, and, and maybe make that part of your family devotion time or your, yourself. You sing praises to the Lord. It's part of our worship and praise to God. And uh, so singing those hymns and having a hymn book uh, by you in your Bible study is another uh, important practice uh, to do. Then Hezekiah, verse 20, the king rose early and gathered up the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. And they brought seven bullocks and seven rams. And we read that this morning. And, and they made a sin offering. But the Bible says here in verse 21 that they made the sin offering for the kingdom. So, so there was a sin offering that was offered for Hezekiah in the royal family, uh, those that were in leadership, a sin offering of atonement because they had sinned. For the kingdom, then a sin, a sin offering for the sanctuary because it was filled with nonsense and idols uh, and uh, in disrepair and a sin offering for Judah. Uh, the people as a whole. Uh, and, uh, and so from verses 21 down through verse 24, uh, we have um, renewed worship and sacrifices for atonement uh, for uh, these three categories, for the kingdom, the sanctuary, and for the Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed bullocks. The priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, they killed the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. And we know when you read the Old Testament, Leviticus, um, there are certain, certain animals that you use for certain offerings. And, and so we know this is an atonement offering uh, and uh, where we have, uh, of course, uh, these rams and, uh, and lambs uh, and the blood being sprinkled upon the offering. He brought forth the he goats for the sin offering before the king, the congregation. They laid hands on them. So again, as I mentioned, they brought goats in. There was some, they, they slayed them, uh, but they also they did some things. Uh, they applied some blood to the altar. Uh, they put other on, on goats themselves and uh, send them out. And the priest killed them. And they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering should be made, a sin offering should be made for Israel. So um, I mentioned this morning, Hebrews 10, 12. Uh, of course, we understand Jesus came and he died for us. He's a sinless, spotless lamb of God. And part of um, our renewal, our covenant renewal, when, we, when we, we realize and understand that we're not right with the Lord, we're, we're, we belong to him. We're not not saved, 
we are accepted in the beloved, but our fellowship is broken. We have sin in our lives, things that we're not, we shouldn't be doing, and there are things that we should be doing that we're not doing. And, and we realize that we're far from God. God's not left us nor forsaken us, uh, but we know we've got to get it right. Uh, and we struggle at how to do it. This is the formula. Um, it's, there's, there's cleansing, uh, and uh, there is also a recognition or reminder. Because when, when our sin separates us from the Lord, our sin withholds good things from us. My, the sin that I commit, it's under the blood. I'm not going to give an, uh, you know, I'm not going to be sent to hell to pay my sin debt. Jesus paid that sin debt for me. But my sin affects my prayer life. My sin affects my relationships. Uh, it, again, it withholds good things from me. God wants to bless me, but he, but he doesn't because I'm in sin. And sometimes he does because he's a gracious and a loving God, despite us. Uh, he, is, he is good to us and so good. Um, but um, when we realize uh, and we, we just kind of take, take a couple steps back and realize how good God is and what he's provided for us, and we think about the atonement that he had made, uh, that the, the atonement for our sin, that's the beginning or part of the beginning of, of, of getting, getting right with him. Because when you, when you realize that, remember, you bring it to remembrance. Uh, we do it in communion. Uh, we do it when we read the scripture. We, we think about what Jesus did for us. And when, when we do that, the natural result uh, are these other things that we read. That's the, that's the pathway uh, to, to getting these things right with the Lord. So there was an atonement uh, for the sins of the kingdom, the sanctuary, the Judah, uh, the rams and the lambs and, uh, and the goats. They killed them. The offering is going to be made. They did it according to, because now they have, they have the vessels. Uh, they've got the altar. Uh, they've got the, the priests are back to work. Uh, people are, you know, things are, things are going on. And then we have the second sacrifice uh, that is mentioned from verse 25 down through 30. And so, and he set the Levites in the house of the Lord. Now remember, this is, it's, it's these 15 men, their house, the Levites are come. This is the, the, what the Bible would say, the congregation, the congregation of the Lord, the, the assembly, the people who are, who are doing the service of the Lord in the temple of the Lord. That's who God is dealing with, Hezekiah. Uh, and then they, they made atonement for Hezekiah, uh, you know, for the sanctuary, uh, and they shed blood uh, for all of the people. Uh, and he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and psalteries and with harps according to the commandment of David. We talked about that this morning. Ordained uh, instruments of David. The, all the congregation, 28 worship, and the singers sang and the trumpeters sounded and all uh, continued until the burnt offering uh, was finished. Verses 25 through 30, the burnt offerings that are going to be offered uh, are an offering of consecration. Uh, and, uh, and so moreover, Hezekiah, verse 3, the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise, uh, praises, uh, praise unto the Lord with the words of David. And Asaph the seer, and they sang praises with gladness. They bowed their heads uh, and worshiped. And so we have the second set of offerings by the Levites and the priests uh, of, of consecration of themselves to God. Hezekiah said, that's what I'm doing. And he says, don't be negligent. But, but Back then, and here's how blessed we are. You're, you're a prayer away from getting right with the Lord. You don't got to do all this stuff. Uh, and um, I, I, so many people are like, man, Pastor, I come back to church, but I'm just so far from God. All you got to do is pray from, uh, from your heart to the Lord and ask God to forgive you, repent of it, and get it right. 
and, uh, and just tie two Sundays together. And, and you'll be back, you'll back, you're back on the wagon. It, it isn't, there's, there's no, we, I'm so thankful. Um, and, and maybe God's made it too easy. You know, I know God is God and he's, you know, I, I don't think he'd ever like, hey, maybe I've made it too easy. But if I was God, <laughs> in my, I would be thinking, I, I just made it too easy for people. Because it seems the harder things are, the more effort we put in. And because we can be a prayer away, what that has done, instead of us just getting right with God, we hold on to sin. Uh, knowing that we can, we can just get it right later. We want to enjoy the pleasures of sin uh, and, uh, for uh, a season, etc. And so uh, they uh, had this, uh, now a, a consecration uh, or a, an offering of consecration. Uh, and with that, they did burnt offerings. Uh, not just the blood atonement offerings that they did uh, for the first sets. Everybody with me? Uh, try, we're, there's just a lot of great stuff uh, inside here. Only two of you are with me, so that's good. <laughs> Uh, now this is important, verse 31. It said, Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now ye have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring your sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were of a free heart burnt offerings. Now remember, uh, thanksgiving offerings, uh, these free will offerings, uh, there, were, there were certain kinds of things that you bring in for that. Here we have two different ones. Uh, there were oxen and sheep uh, were allowed for this in Thanksgiving offerings. And uh, he said, now, since you've consecrated yourself and you've, you've cleaned everything up, uh, now you can serve him. Come uh, and, uh, and, and bring these offerings to the Lord. And verse 32, and this is... This is uh, a key to the understanding of the end, uh, because at the end, it's like they're overwhelmed. All right. Uh, but look at the math that's in here. And the number of the burnt offerings which the congregation brought, that was the assembly, the Levites, the priests, the congregation that was there. Uh, they brought three score and ten bullocks. So what the Bible says is that those that he, God had been dealing with and Hezekiah through this process as they're doing these things, uh, they brought 70 um, bullocks. Um, for uh, the Thanksgiving offering. Uh, but the Bible says that there were 600 total that were brought. Then it says uh, that they brought uh, 300 and, uh, uh, um, rams, or excuse me, 200 lambs, all these for the burnt offering. The consecrated things were 600 oxen and 3,000 sheep. So they brought 3,000 sheep in total. The assembly provided 300 of them. So there are 27 others that were brought in. Here's what's, here's what's taking place. They're getting right with the Lord. Uh, he says, now you're ready. You bring, you bring your Thanksgiving offerings. The assembly brought uh, 70 uh, of uh, the bullocks and 300 uh, of uh, the, the, the sheep. Uh, and so um, average Joes, citizens, other people brought the rest. So they weren't expecting that. Uh, and uh, so 530 extra bullocks and 2,700 extra sheep um, are brought to the temple in thanksgiving offering because God is just doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, the Bible says, uh, so these are all private individuals, uh, just regular people from the, from the tribe there uh, that brought these in. Verse 34, but the priests were too few 
so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore their brethren, the Levites, did help them till the work was ended, until the other priests had sanctified themselves. For the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves uh, than the priests. That was a, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of a dig on the priests, if you will. Uh, and, uh, and also the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat and the peace offerings, the drink offerings. And it's just people, people are just excited in their serving. They are revived. All right? And, uh, and they're worshiping in the way that God had intended them to worship. And they hadn't been doing that for 16 years. Uh, and it took the king to say, I'm going to get right. Uh, and, uh, and you Levites and priests need to get right. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, they, they, they brought the, the, the rest of the city officials in. And it's like, this is what, this is what we're doing. And, and so people were, people were, were getting things right. Uh, and they, uh, they were all offering thanksgiving, uh, these uh, offerings uh, to the Lord, which overwhelmed the priests that are there. So the heart of the lesson. I got five minutes, ten minutes left. Thirty-five minutes, who can tell? Uh, and uh, it's all part. This is all a lesson. It's scripture and it's for our use today. So as I'm reading this history lesson um, and as I, as I slow down and look at what's taking place there, um, as a Christian who wants to walk with God, God lays out the principles in the Old Testament here that, uh, that in, under grace, um, are, they're the same. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, you know, God's, God doesn't change. Uh, and what he requires of us uh, in many respects from the Old Testament and the New Testament, much of it is the same unless he specifically uh, and directly had done away with it in Scripture. And like the ceremonial laws concerning sacrifices, we don't got to do that uh, now because we're, uh, we're under grace. Uh, but if you want to, uh, to be uh, renewed uh, in your, uh, your relationship with the Lord, um, you have to cleanse yourself. You've got to, you have to cleanse your vessel. Now, God in the New Testament gives us analogies like he won't put new wine in old bottles. Um, we have, uh, you know, we're white as sepulchers. We're, we're, we're clean on the outside. We're full of dead man's bones. Uh, and, uh, and he says there are vessels by the way of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. And one of the, you can't, by the way, you can't be right with God uh, and be a vessel of honor to you separate from vessels of dishonor. That's laid out for us uh, in Scripture uh, in 2 Timothy in chapter number 2. Uh, so that makes us, um, when we separate, when we, we become a vessel that's fit for the master's use, that makes us to where we can be used of God. And the, the temple and the vessels and the altar uh, had been so uh, soiled with sin uh, and in idolatry, uh, that they even if they wanted to use it, they couldn't get to it and couldn't because they were they were unclean. Anything that is unclean touches something that is clean becomes unclean. That which is holy is always profaned by that which is unholy. Um, and uh, you mark it down. You say, Pastor, just you know, um, I, you know, I just I, I I'm playing for um, the the bar um, softball team where I grew up. They had keg leagues. And, uh, and so, so people just played softball and drank. And as for as long back as I can remember, I used to, I used to umpire um, when I was like 10 years old, keg league softball games. Uh, so a bunch of drunk uh, heathens uh, getting in fights, and I'm supposed to, you know, uh, that's how I started umpiring. And, um, and 
I'm going to join, I'm going to join the, the Taverns Softball League because I want to be a light in this dark world. And, and I just want, I just want uh, if I'm there, I'll give me opportunities to witness. By the way, I don't believe you when you first started talking. That's not why you want to do it. And um, I 100% money-back guarantee, according to the scriptures, you will be profaned um, by, by the lost. Um, you're not going to clean them up. They're going to make you dirty. That's the, the law, the chemistry of separation in the Bible. That's why when the priests, uh, they had cleansed themselves, and then they would touch an unclean thing, they had to start over. Um, it, it, um, it, was, it was vital. Uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't do your service for, uh, for God uh, if you were unclean. And there's all kinds of ceremonial, uh, you know, cleansings, uh, and, uh, and there, were, there were parts of that, um, like uh, the, the, the pool of Siloam. Uh, they, they, would, they would cleanse in there. Uh, they, would, uh, they would, even, even when they're translating the scripture, when it, they were so reverential in their care for what they would do, before they would write the name of God, uh, they, would, they, would, they would clean themselves. Um, and, and we, we're not like that. Uh, peep Christians, Christians um, are not like that uh, today. So the cleansing uh, of the Christian takes on a couple of forms. It's the cleansing in our daily walk. It's illustrated for us in um, John 13. The Lord himself did that with, uh, with washing their feet and talking about, uh, about cleansing and the cleansing uh, of the heart. And of course, we read about being a vessel uh, or mentioned it from 2 Timothy chapter number 2, uh, verses 20 and 21. Uh, we need to be vessels unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. God cannot use us uh, if we're if we're if we're filthy, um, he won't use you. He won't use me if we're not if we're not a vessel that he can use. So part of my responsibility, and it's why God, you know, uh, he he puts a, a a great premium on it in the Bible because we have we have Christians today. It's like you don't got it. You can you can go you can go clubbing uh, on Saturday night uh, and uh, and singing on the praise team on Sunday morning. And um, it's just, it's, uh, we're so messed up uh, in, uh, in our application of these biblical truths. It's really sad. And then there's also, if we want to be uh, one, we get right with the Lord and, and to walk with Him and have revival, we need to acknowledge uh, the efficacy of what Christ has done for us. Uh, because what beats us down when we're in sin uh, is we feel like we can't get out of it. And uh, we've dug ourselves too far in, but, but uh, my sins are under the blood. And God, His grace and His mercy, uh, all that God has given uh, to us through what He's done for us on the cross, uh, I, I, I am a possessor of that as a Bible-believing Christian. Uh, and uh, it doesn't matter how, dig I deep, uh, how deep I dig my hole, God always can get me out of it. Uh, and, uh, and He can get you out of it as well. But here's what inevitably follows when we do that. We get cleaned up, we confess our sin, we, we, we say, God... Forgive me, uh, and, uh, and I know you died for me. You forgive my sins, but I'm living in sin, and I don't want to do that. And, and God, I want to walk with you, and I want to pray with you, and I want to commune with you. I want to draw close to you. You said if I draw close to you that you'll draw close to me, uh, and, uh, and that's what I want. I want to walk with you, and you pray, and you mean it, and you, love, and you want to love the Lord, and, you, and you, God, I need your help. I'm a sinner, and, and I'm just bent on doing wrong. I need strength and I need grace and mercy, I need boldness, I need your word, help me to read it. God, I want to, want to, want to. And God knows. 
Um, and, uh, and, and that's where we're at. Here's what follows. Uh, the praise of a cleansed and restored heart is like what we see here. When, when, they got, when they got right with God and consecrated themselves to the Lord, we find godly, biblical, historical, God-accepted worship and praise and singing. And they were doing that, and we read that all the way through that passage of Scripture. In the tabernacle, uh, the incense which was burnt on the golden altar um, was kindled by a coal from the fire at the brazen altar. None of this stuff, the, the lamps are gone, the lamps are burnt out, the doors, the doors had been locked. None of this stuff that's supposed to be happening is happening. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and it's the same thing uh, when it comes to our life. Uh, when, we, when we're right with God, when we see God how He is, uh, what follows uh, is a, a deeper, um, higher, uh, more um, sanctified praise for God. It's genuine. But you cannot have it if you, if you didn't do what precedes that. Um, it can't be manufactured. Uh, you can't fake it till you make it. Um, it just, it's why we live victorious, uh, less <laughs> um, uh, non-spirit-led lives. And why we just rein it in and we just go to, we go to church on Sunday and Song, song, prayer, song, and we just drag ourselves in, we drag ourselves out. Uh, you know, he's like 10 minutes past how he normally is, and when's he going to be quiet? And, uh, and oh, got to go back Sunday night, wish I could sleep in, wish I could watch the game. The, our, we, we don't sing like we mean it, we don't serve like we mean it, we don't, we don't, we don't uh, fellowship with God like we mean it. It's just, it's just I got to get my five chapters or 16 chapters if you're doing it. Just got to get it in, got to get it in. Uh, and, uh, and it's like, I'm not going to miss my f- favorite television program. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just going to like, mm, mm, uh, and zap through whatever, because there's a dinner on the end of that that I want. We, we, but sincere consecration getting back the heart of Hezekiah that God had led him to do, what inevitably follows is praise. The worship of a cleansed, restored, uh, and singing heart. Uh, we, um, Paul illustrates uh, that for us in 1 Timothy chapter number 1 uh, and verses 12 through 7, uh, talking about his praise and his worship. Um, and uh, so we can't, we can't praise unless we're like that. We can't worship uh, unless uh, we're cleansed and prepared. And then our service uh, to the Lord, he says, now the heart that's cleansed and restored, filled with a nude song, bowed in adoration, they bowed before the Lord. Uh, he says, all right, come now. Uh, and uh, come near uh, and bring your sacrifices and your thanksgiving offerings to the Lord. And boy, did they. Um, it's like, you know, you just, you just you can't keep up. Uh, with, uh, with what's going on. And can you imagine? Uh, and I don't think that the, the priests and the Levites were like, you know, um, we're consecrated to the Lord and we're doing all this. And I don't think they get like us, like, man, like, we need more help. And, uh, and you know, angry about uh, how busy they are or whatever. And, uh, and, and really, if you think about how quick this all happened, um, you know, they, there was, they were out of practice. Uh, and, uh, and on day one, um, they were overwhelmed uh, with, with, with people, individual people, um, bringing in way more uh, than what God um, had uh, prescribed for them or their commitment 
uh, as an assembly. And uh, so uh, when we, for me, as I read this, I have um, a pattern. Uh, I want to be right. I want that. I want that new song. I want, I want to be, uh, I want to be right with the Lord. And it's, it just starts in my own heart. Uh, and asking God to forgive me and to cleanse me and to, uh, and to help me root out anything, um, every weight, besetting weight and sin that keeps me from my service for God. I've got to get rid of it. Um, it, might, it might be an attitude or a spirit. It might be ingratitude in my own life. It could be um, I'm, I'm, I'm self-absorbed and self-righteous and, uh, and I just, uh, I've got to get beyond that. I've got to die to myself and take up my cross and follow him and, and realize I'm a living sacrifice, God, and, and, uh, and I need to renew that. When I got saved in 1987, I said, God, whatever you want me to do, uh, I'm going to do it. And I made promise to God after promise to God uh, all along the way. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and all along the way, I failed him. And so when I realized that, I've got a, I, I, I get under conviction and I go back to the covenants that I've made. It's nothing new. Uh, and, uh, and I, God, I'm, I'm renewing that. And I pray that with sincerity and I, and I clean house uh, and I dedicate myself to the Lord. Uh, and uh, what follows that is joy and peace and communion and praise. When I sing uh, these, these uh, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, they touch me. I'm moved by them. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I think about the words and how sweet uh, my Savior is. Uh, and uh, and I, don't, I don't think that way when I'm not right with him. When I'm not right with him, it's like, let's skip a few verses. Let's, you know, uh, it, it's convicting. When, it, reading the word of God when you're not right and singing praises to God. Uh, and, and if you think for one second that you can walk into this, this uh, uh, meeting house, this church building, uh, and, uh, and worship God uh, when you're a filthy mess and that God's cool with it, He ain't. And it doesn't matter what you think. I don't care who you read after, what podcast you're listening to, uh, what favorite internet preacher uh, is uh, that, uh, uh, that you read their tweets and stuff. Uh, if, if they don't do what this book says uh, and don't teach you to do what this book says, they're wrong, you're wrong. Uh, and um, as my pastor used to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and uh, and so, so it's, it's, that is what we're supposed to do. There's no other way. No one else is an exception. Um, you, can't, you can't get there. Um, not talking about getting to heaven, but in your walk with God. Um, God, like, well, that's you. You do you, and I'll just do me. No, we need to do the book, because that's the only way. And if you aren't doing what God wants you to do, that he says, this is what I require of you, uh, this is what I, you know, I want you to do in worship as you offer. And, and he says, this, this here, this is a sweet-smelling sacrifice to me. Do this. You're like, I don't want to do that. And, uh, and I'm going to do this. And God says, no. He says, so you're, you're, you're keeping everything back for yourself. And you're offering me all the leftovers. I don't want your leftovers. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't accept our leftovers. The Bible's clear about that. And uh, so, so we got to give him our best. And give him the first fruits. Uh, and, uh, and, and praise Him. We need to be in prayer, instant and in season and out of season and, and praying without ceasing. God needs to be on the front of our mind and our heart. He needs the preeminence in our life. Uh, and, uh, and our religion isn't show up to church on a Sunday and pick the Bible up off the seat that you left the week before. 
It's a 24-7 endeavor. And uh, in anything less than that, um, is, is not something that's pleasing to God. Now, God loves us, and he's so long-suffering. Um, but, he, but we all need to be better and do better for him because we love him, not because we're working our way to heaven, but because we are saved, and he's our God and our Savior and our Lord. And, uh, and I want to please him. I love him. Uh, and, uh, and I want to spend time with him, and I want to read his word, and, uh, and, uh, and I love it, and it's, and it's, more, it's more necessary uh, than, my, than food, and it's precious, and, uh, and, uh, and all my getting, I want to get understanding, and, and, uh, and the perspective, I just, I just can't not be uh, in this book. Uh, and a uh, person who thinks that way goes, 90-day challenge, bring it on. Piece of cake, I'm in my Bible five hours a day anyways, right? Because we, we love the Lord. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be such a, like, um, somebody's like, you know, hey, what, you know, can, tell me what about this 90-day Bible reading challenge. Was, this is last week, and I'm, and I'm done. And I said, well, we have these things over here, and I grabbed one of the, uh, the little 90-day uh, challenge pamphlets. I opened it up. I said, so, like, on day one, um, 16 chapters. They're like, 16 chapters? And I'm like, yep, 16 chapters. But really what our response should be, Easy. I get to read my Bible for an hour a day. And um, are you following me? It shouldn't be such an overwhelming, a big, it shouldn't be such a big ask. And we want to be filled with the Spirit of God. We've got to be in the Word of God. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really, as your pastor, I'm trying to, you know, hey, this is a great thing. And we kind of, we have a, an event at the end and want to encourage you to do that. But you can't be filled with the Spirit unless you're in the Word of God. And so the 90-day challenge is good for you. And, uh, and we got, by the way, we got a lot more than 40 people in our church. But there's 40 names on the list. And so, so um, maybe approach it like Hezekiah. Like, I'm just going to get back with it. And I'm going I'm to, I've just got to get, I got to get serious. The, 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 the temple of God, if we look at yourself as the, the body temple and the presence of God in our life, it's, I'm so dirty that, 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 I, that, I, that I look at reading the Bible with disdain. Like, like really? Like you're gonna ex- you expect me to read 16 bio- chapters of the Bible a day? And uh, so what do we do? We've got to clean it up first and, and start talking with the Lord. And, and, uh, and then it's amazing how, the God, um, how, how God will renew a right spirit. In fact, uh, David prayed. He said, renew a right spirit in me. Restore the joy of my salvation. And boy, we all need a big dose of that, don't we? And so I hope that uh, you see a, a wonderful pattern of restoration personally and then corporately uh, in Second Chronicles 29. Don't skip it. It's good stuff in there. Let's all stand uh, with our heads bowed tonight.